two days later, we give an additional influenza vaccine booster directly into the melanoma tumor. Some of those melanoma tumors might be in the skin or it might be in a lymph node or somewhere else. This is the James Cancer Free World podcast. I'm Steve Wartenberg, and my guest is Carlo Contreras, a James surgical oncologist who specializes in skin and soft tissue cancers, including melanomas. He's also one of the leaders of a new and really fascinating and unique clinical trial in which the flu vaccine, the flu vaccine that we get in our arm every fall and winter is injected directly into a patient's melanoma as a form of treatment. And that's our topic today. So welcome back to the podcast, Carlo. Well, thanks so much for having me, Steve. So I'm really curious. This just seems like a an incredible idea. Where did the idea come from? And, and then what do you do with it and this great idea? So during COVID, when we were all stuck at home and seeing fewer patients, I came across an article which really uh, got my curiosity going. Um, it was published in a prominent journal called the Proceedings of the National Academy of Science. And they did a variety of laboratory experiments which used influenza virus and influenza vaccine to um, fine tune the immune system to see if they could get the immune system to better able to recognize and to kill off melanoma cells. And that was really the inspiration that I would later develop into this clinical trial. Wow. So that brings up a couple points. So I had never thought of the flu vaccine as immunotherapy, but I guess it is, right? Well, this notion really dates back over a hundred years where there was a very prominent surgeon um, that actually would inject, well, he noticed that children who had a bacterial infection, a bacterial skin infection, who also had cancer, would often have shrinkage of their tumor. And over time and seeing multiple children with infections, with some, some with infections and some just with the cancer itself, noticed an association. And he thought to himself that maybe the infection, this bacterial infection, um, might have something to do with how the tumor was shrinking away. And um, at that time, he would actually, he did a series of, of treatments, I guess you could say, because it really wasn't a study at that point. It was, a, he was doing treatments where he would meaningfully inject um, tumors in children and adults and see which ones would shrink and which ones would not shrink. It was interesting because when he would inject these tumors with these mixtures of bacteria, the patients would obviously get sick. They would get sick with an infection type symptoms, you know, fevers, chills, muscle aches, um, skin redness around the injection site. And it was very interesting because he noticed that many of these tumors would completely shrink away and he kept meticulous records of these patients. And there were some patients which he continued to follow out for over 20 years after he injected them, which back at that time was unheard of. And so that was the, one of the very first inclinations that there might be a linkage between 
how the body reacts to an infection and how the body is able to deal with cancer. And since then, there's always, we've always known that there was some type of association and we've been looking for ways that we could further enhance that and bring that back to the bedside. So the way he does, he did his research back then probably wouldn't be how you do it today, where you just randomly inject people hoping for something. That's not quite the scientific method that you use now. Absolutely. Um, so that was during a time before we had uh, strict regulations about safety and ethics. And clearly in everything that we do now, whether it's in the setting of routine care or whether in the setting of a clinical trial, the safety in the patient and how we ethically um, are dealing with a patient is first and foremost. Right. And all of our studies now have to pass through a very rigorous process uh, through a number of regulatory bodies here at um, the Ohio State University with the James Cancer Hospital and in the situation of trials that deal with new medications or medications that are being given in a new way, we often have to get the FDA involved on a federal level. And so this trial, um, as well as all the other clinical trials that we offer at the James must through, pass through that very stringent regulatory process because above all, we wanna make sure that our clinical trials are safe and that patients are always able to get the standard of care plus something extra that might be even better than the standard of care, but never less than the standard of care. Right. Okay, good. I'm glad you explained that. But now let's hear how you read something in the scientific journal that the flu vaccine might have some application and go through those steps of, of just how you take an idea and turn it into a clinical trial. Right. So in the literature, there were descriptions also of how patients with lung cancer who were hospitalized at least once or twice for having an influenza infection actually had a significantly better outcome from a cancer standpoint than the same types of lung cancer patients who were not hospitalized after influenza infection. And so that was a very curious piece of information. Another very curious piece of information was that if you started out with melanoma tumors on both sides of the body and you let them grow in an experimental situation and you injected the flu vaccine into one side, the side where the flu had been injected into, that melanoma started to shrink in size. Not only that, but the melanoma that was growing on the opposite side of the body that was not injected also started to shrink. And so it was these two pieces of information along with some other things that were really the inspiration for the clinical trial. And much of how that study had been constructed was how I modeled it for this clinical trial. 
So if I'm understanding correctly, somehow when someone has the flu, their immune system is wakes up to attack the flu and perhaps the immune system's on some sort of heightened awareness and then also better recognizes cancer cells. That's the idea. You and I know this on some level each year when we get our flu shot, perhaps you've noticed that your arm is sore for maybe a day or two afterwards. That is the sort of low level stimulation of the immune system that we are hoping to harness in this clinical trial and put to a meaningful use in our patients with melanoma. Okay, so you, you like all good scientists do, you're reading all the research, you see a thread, and you're the one who says, let's go from doing this in the lab and doing this as a theory. How do we, let's get to the next step of doing this, injecting this uh, flu vaccine into patients. The clinical trials used a number of different influenza vaccines that differ based on how they're made and how they are um, uh, recognized by the body. And we were very careful to model our clinical trial based on what they showed was the most effective. Then the next step was to get together with collaborators here on campus that are all melanoma experts from a variety of disciplines. Here at the James, um, we realized that no uh, cancer is routine and we pulled together specialists from surgery, from medical oncology, pathology, dermatology. And so we got all our specialists together and discussed this as a potential clinical trial idea and made sure we were all comfortable with the, um, the way that we were going to write this protocol. And um, then we put it down on paper and then we started the regulatory process of getting clearance from all the relevant uh, stakeholders. Okay, we're gonna take a quick break. And when we come back, Carlo will fill us in on the actual clinical trial and how it's going. In today's world, misinformation abounds, but at the Ohio State Health and Discovery website, we're addressing today's most relevant health, wellness, science, and research topics, all from the Ohio State experts you can trust. We're tapping into physicians, scientists, and thought leaders across our medical center and health sciences colleges to give you the deeper story behind the headlines and the truth about the topics affecting the health of individuals, society, and the world. Visit health.osu.edu today. We're back with Carlo Contreras, and we're talking about a really new and interesting clinical trial in which the flu vaccine is injected directly into a patient's melanoma. And Carlo, I was thinking that every year the flu vaccine is just a little bit different for this, the difference in the variants. How, how, is, 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 how is that impacting you? You're right. There is variation from year to year about how the, the flu vaccine is, is administered. And those are pretty subtle differences based on which variants arise around the world and which um, are thought to be the most relevant variants that are going to protect us from influenza. But in terms of this clinical trial, that's actually not so important. 
Instead, what we're hoping to trigger is just a generalized immune system reaction to the influenza vaccine that's injected directly into the tumor. There is no reason to think that an influenza vaccine is going to have any direct relationship to melanoma. Instead, we're just putting the entire immune system on high alert so that the immune system is gonna be better able to recognize any foreign cell in the body as being bad. And in this situation, the foreign bad cell are the melanoma cells. And so what this clinical trial does is it, um, it first we give an, an influenza vaccine injection into the arm, just like you get every single year as part of your vaccine booster. So that part is the same as what you get every year. Then what's different is two days later, then we give an additional vaccine, influenza vaccine booster directly into the melanoma tumor. Some of those melanoma tumors might be in the skin or it might be in a lymph node or somewhere else. Um, and we repeat the doses that go directly into the melanoma tumors twice. Patients who have early stage melanoma who are candidates for an operation, then have their operation where that melanoma is removed and we can examine it under the microscope to see how much melanoma is left behind. In patients who have more advanced melanoma, those patients, instead of getting surgery, are getting a combination of other immunotherapy plus the influenza vaccine directly into the tumors. And so we really have those two groups because we wanna understand how might the influenza vaccine help patients with early stage melanoma that can be removed by surgery? And on the other hand, how might the influenza vaccine help patients with more advanced melanoma who are already getting some other type of immunotherapy through the bloodstream? Okay, so in, in the last time you podcasted with us, you explained that early stage melanoma is almost always you're able to get it all with surgery. The later stages is when it metastasizes and, and goes to other parts of the body. So in both cases, this flu vaccine can be a, a new tool, an additional tool in what you're already doing. Right. Yeah. So it's used to kind of back up, to augment, to further enhance what we're already doing. Um, in the case of early stage melanoma, um, if we can show that the influenza vaccine is causing the melanoma to shrink away before the operation, then we might be able to then show that the future risk of having that melanoma grow back after the surgery is less than if we had not given the influenza vaccine ahead of time. And in that way, it could be a way that we could make our operation even more effective by simply giving an influenza vaccine ahead of time. Wow. And it also seems to me that if you're able to shrink the melanoma before you operate, then it's a less invasive surgery. That's not one of the primary goals of this study. It's not really constructed to show that, but you're right. That could be a, a future avenue of research that if we're successful in this trial, we could expand to specifically answer that question. Another really interesting um, uh, avenue for this trial is that 
if you take a step back, um, you know, we have these, we have other immunotherapy drugs, which are given typically through an IV infusion. They're given once a month, usually for a year or two at a time. And those um, have significant side effects, uh, potential for significant side effects. They're very well tolerated. Um, they're much better tolerated typically than what we would normally think of as chemotherapy, but they do have side effects and they're very expensive. Um, now, clearly that expense is, is, is worth it because they right. work very well. They, they help patients with early stage cancer, with advanced cancer. Um, but if you think about melanoma and cancer as a global problem that affects countries that don't have the economic resources that we have here in the United States, perhaps too, a simple influenza vaccine, which is very inexpensive, could help patients around the world have more effective surgeries or could make immunotherapy just more effective around the world um, with a, a very small incremental cost compared to um, what our typical immunotherapy medications cost. So where are you? When did, when did it start and, and what are you finding in the patients that are enrolled? Right, so uh, we started enrolling several months ago and um, we have several patients that have already um, um, been enrolled and have received their uh, influenza vaccines. Some are in the early stage group and have gone on to have their operation and others are in the more advanced group and continue to get their um, uh, influenza vaccine shots along with their, influ uh, with their immunotherapy treatment. Um, and again, as part of that um, strict regulatory process, it's not appropriate for us to really comment on our early findings um, because we certainly don't want to, um, to inappropriately represent about what may be happening so far. Uh, if you have a few really favorable patients, you don't want to overgeneralize and, um, and uh, misrepresent the true nature of what's going on. So um, as, as is the case with all clinical trials, we need to wait for all the results to come in so that we can have a careful and thoughtful analysis. But so far, patients are tolerating this very well. And we're hopeful that we will have um, uh, favorable results with respect to shrinkage of their melanoma tumors. Okay, so then I, I won't press you for more details because you can't tell me, but I'll, I'll use the word you used, hopeful, as a good sign at, for the future of this clinical trial. And sort of let's talk about the future. And again, without if whatever you can say, if this works, what are the implications? We, you talked a little bit about how worldwide it, it, it's such a, a cheaper and easier way to at least start treatment for people. But what what could be the big picture benefits of this? Could it work in other cancers? Could it become part of the standard of care for melanoma and, and other cancers? So the two groups that we're studying in this are, like I mentioned, the early stage patients. So this could be something that we give to patients with early stage melanoma who wouldn't otherwise qualify for some of what we would otherwise think of the big gun immunotherapy drugs, the really expensive ones, the ones that can have side effects. Yeah. We could add this very inexpensive influenza vaccine that has virtually no side effects um, in, in most patients and decrease their um, recurrence risk by some small amount. 
Um, or we could give it to patients who have more advanced melanoma and actually make our current immunotherapy drugs even better by um, enhancing the immune system to a greater degree. That is what we're hopeful in the melanoma space. But you're right, this could certainly have broad implications beyond just melanoma. I mentioned to you um, the, uh, the history of the surgeon who was testing uh, bacterial infection injections into tumors. And he used, he studied a variety of different cancers. And so we already know that immunotherapy is being used with a variety of cancers today in 2022. And so there are many opportunities to um, really figure out what's going on on a molecular basis with this trial to see if we could replicate that with other types of cancers. You can also, the other avenue to take this is also um, to try different vaccines. Since this is a non-specific triggering of the immune system, there are certainly other vaccines that could accomplish the same thing, maybe even to a greater degree. Um, one thought is perhaps even using the COVID-19 vaccine. Um, I think most people would agree that they have a greater side effect from having a COVID-19 vaccine in terms of muscle soreness, maybe fevers, chills, that sort of thing. And if those symptoms are any indication of the degree to which our immune system is being non-specifically triggered, then that might even be more uh, powerful a vaccine to use in trying to treat cancer than even the influenza vaccine. So this is also fascinating and creative. And sometimes I think people don't think of cancer science as necessarily a creative field or endeavor, but you're sort of proving that wrong. And is that how, where does creativity and thinking outside the box, which you just did, where does that come in and coming up with new ideas? I think creativity is really an inherent uh, characteristic of scientists in general, whether they are scientists in a laboratory um, or scientists um, who are scientist physicians. Uh, we're always looking for new ways to solve problems that have um, eluded our understanding. And for a physician scientist, specifically a surgeon scientist, we see you know, the, the difficulty um, and the trials and tribulations that these cancers that they cause. And um, our hearts are always really touched by our individual patients and, and um, what brings them into our clinic. And we have a very personal connection to our patients. And that I think is really the inspiration to, as you say, thinking outside the box to see what else can we do besides what we're accustomed to recommending on a daily basis that could help cure this cancer that can ease um, any pain or suffering from this patient. And um, if we're able to do that in a safe and effective manner, I think that is a win for everybody. Yeah. And thanks for sharing this new clinical trial. And again, you're, you're not able to really go into the results. They're still new. So maybe in a year or two, when you are ready to present, you'll come back and fill us in and knock on wood. It's, it's working really well. Absolutely. I would love to. Thank you so much for the opportunity. 
This podcast is brought to you by the Ohio State University Comprehensive Cancer Center, Arthur G. James Cancer Hospital, and Richard J. Solov Research Institute. For more information, check out our website, cancer.osu.edu.